Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. If you would please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we're going to look at verse 19 through 21 out of the New Living Translation. Uh, We got some more translations on our uh, pro presenter recently, and I believe the New Living Translation is one of them. So if you will go ahead and put up on the screen as soon as you get Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 through 21 out of the New Living Translation. Um, We've been talking about committed for love. And what we simply mean by that is, what's going to keep us committed to the things of God when we're pulled and tempted to go a different way? You know, as as much as I love the blessings of God, I love the blesser more. As much as as we love the blessings of God, that's not why we're in church tonight. See, we're growing. We're maturing. We need to always come back to the the number one reason I'm doing what I'm doing for the Lord. Praying, reading my Bible, going to church, uh, being nice toward other people is because I love the one who wants me to do these things. You know, really, going to church, not going to church, is a love issue. I don't know if you realize enough or not. Um, You know, being kind, not being kind, it's a love issue. Uh, What do we love more? What we're feeling or the one who said, live this way. And so we're talking about committed for love. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter, good, thank you guys for putting that up there. Chapter 30, verse 19, and we'll go, I think, to verse 21. It says, today I've given you, God said, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. So God gives us a choice, doesn't he? He says, now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Let's just stop here for a second. Does mommy and daddy's choices have anything to do with how children turn out? Well, right here it says, If you'll choose life, mommy and daddy, your descendants will live. And he's not just talking about existing on planet Earth. He's talking about living a life of fullness of peace and joy and blessing. If parents make the right choices, it will overflow on their children. I mean, think it's good to think about how your choices are going to affect your children. Next verse. Let's look at verse 20. God says you can make this choice. By loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, now notice, and committing yourself firmly to Him. I like the word love and commitment in the same verse. You see that? We talked about love is more about devotion than emotion. It's more about how I can do you good as opposed to what you can do for me. All right? So he says, this is, what, what, what? This is the key to your life. To your life being everything you want it to be and more. What's the key? Loving God first and foremost. See, we we read the scriptures and we see a lot of awesome scriptures about God's love for us. Wonderful. 
But the Bible also talks about our love for Him. And it's so interesting because as we talked about in this book, I Love God More, Adam and Eve had the full love of God. How many of you agree? I mean, God's walking with them in the cool of the day, hanging out with Adam and Eve, coming down and walking with them, gave them the entire earth. The book of Psalms says they even had access to the stars. All the works of God's hands were in, the, were in man's dominion at one time. And um, I got to thinking, now wait a second. God is walking with Adam and Eve. God loves Adam and Eve. God's showering Adam and Eve with the entire world and the universe. God's saying, I love you. But listen closely. If, 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 if all we need is more revelation on how much God loves us, then why did Adam mess up? Because he had all the revelation on how much God... Adam came to a place of temptation where he was tempted to love his wife, number one, or love God, number one. He chose to love his wife, number one, and we're in a fallen world today. What needed to happen? Did he need more revelation on how much God loved him? Not saying it would have hurt one bit. But what really needed to happen in the garden that day? Adam's love for God needed to kick in on a higher level. There's so many scriptures that talk about loving God. Now, it all starts here. You ready? 1 John 4. We love him because he first loved us. But him first loving us doesn't make you love him. It doesn't pick you up and swoop you into a relationship of love with the Lord. You still have to choose it. You still have to remind yourself you love the Lord all throughout the days, all throughout the weeks, or you will slip into loving something else more than him. You'll still love him, but the problem is we start loving other things more than him, and that's where the trouble comes in. Pastor, I love the Lord. I don't know why I keep messing up with this. I don't doubt you love the Lord, but at times you're loving other things more than the Lord, or you'd say no to that stuff, and yes to the one who told you to stay away from that stuff. There's a really interesting scripture. Let's go to John chapter 14. Um, What's going to keep us committed to our Christian walk when the blessings seem to be on pause? When our kids want to do something else. When we're tired and it's not convenient to go to church. What's going to keep us committed to the things of God when we don't even even feel like being committed anymore? It's not a trick question. I'll give $100 to somebody who answers. Never mind. It's too late. You, You were too slow. You're too slow. What's going to keep us committed? I remember one, uh, this guy, uh, I was reading a book on the miracle of love, and he was giving a story in there about a, a guy in church who one day his pastor preached something that he severely disagreed with. He just got upset about it. My pastor just preached something I disagree with. But he said, I ain't going to let no preacher run me away from my church. He said, I stuck with it. See, he was there for more than just the pastor. He was there, first and foremost, because the one he loved said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. 
See, when love for God is our reason for living the Christian walk, the devil has nothing he can throw our way to break our commitment to God. If our love for God is our number one motive for serving Him, for loving Him, break it down into prayer, reading your Bible, going to church, serving in the church, being kind, being a good person. If our love for staying out of sin, right? Saying no to temptation. If our love for God is our number one motivation, we will overcome everything. I know a lot of people, they don't want to say, this is not a love issue. I just have a problem with lust. Or this is not a love issue. I just keep messing up in this area. No, it's a love issue. The Bible talks about in the last days that there would be a group of people who were lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Didn't say they didn't love the Lord. At times they just loved pleasure more than God and they went the way of pleasure not believing God's way was the best way. Remember the time, uh, now the Apostle Paul, I mean, what, what an amazing thing to be his assistant. I mean, there are miracles in this man's life. They tried to kill him more than once and succeeded, but he rose from the dead. Paul was like the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. Great man of God. Well, he's got this guy working with him. I'm sure at one time just loving the ministry, all excited about being a, the Apostle Paul's assistant. His name was Demas. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Do you remember Demas? He forsook me, having loved this present world. What? Demas has forsaken me. Why, Paul? It was a love issue. He loved this present world. Vegas really pulled on him. Whatever city. Really pulled on him. He got caught in a tractor beam. And he left serving Paul the Apostle because of his love for the world. That's in scriptures to forewarn us. If this could happen to him, it could happen to any one of us if we're not on guard and staying in the Word, staying filled with the Spirit, and making sure that our love for God is hot, on fire, and where it should be. So in John chapter 14, John 14, um, I really sense one of the things the Lord's doing in our church right now with these teachings, especially on Wednesday night, is He's trying to get us to set a certain atmosphere in our church so His presence can manifest on a higher level. I'm sensing that the Lord is giving us some of these teachings, and some of them are not easy to hear. But if we'll respond because we love the Lord, God's going to be able to do more mighty works in and through this church than, he, than we have been allowing Him to in the past. When I go to church, when I hear a sermon, I'm hoping to hear something that makes a difference in my life. Challenge me to come up, make an adjustment, change, because I know I'm not where I could be. I know there's higher ground. I know there's more we could be doing 
to see God able to do more. See, we have to understand this. God's not able to do some things in certain churches, and it's not because he doesn't want to. It's he's limited. One of the greatest things that we need to stir up on the inside of us is spiritual hunger for more of the power of God. I think we need to get to the place where we're just coveting it. Oh, here, Pastor, doesn't the commandment say thou shalt not covet? It does. But the same Bible in the New Testament says covet earnestly the best gifts of the Spirit, which are workings of miracles, gifts of healing, special faith, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. Paul said covet earnestly the best gifts. The same God that said thou shalt not covet said covet earnestly the best gifts. Now, why would the Lord tell us to covet an increased manifestation of the power of God if it just going to happen anyway. He needs us doing our part. Hunger is a part of setting the atmosphere for miracles and healings. There's, there's, there's one thing that has got to come breaking through this crazy, crusty world in these days, and that is the power of God. I'm seeing Christians steer away from the things of God, getting on roads that I know if they don't get off pretty soon, it'll be too hard to get off later. It'll be too deep. They'll be too sucked into it. It's sad. I'm seeing people go down roads that I know if they keep going that way, something's going to click on the inside of them and they're not going to want to go back. Um, let's read this scripture, John 14. And just keep in mind, setting the atmosphere for greater manifestations of the power of God in the area of healing and miracles and signs and wonders. Verse 21. John 14, 21. Jesus is teaching and he's talking about, well, just read what he says here. Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Stop. Break. What's the one sure way we know we love the Lord? I just feel like I do, Pastor. What are you going to do when there's no feelings? You're going to think you don't love the Lord anymore, and that's not true either. According to this phrase right here, what's one sure way you know you love the Lord? You want to keep His commandments. When you know what he wants you to do, you want to do it, and you do it. Hmm? Here's what we got to... Re- Actually, this is the cure for rebellion. Love God, and you'll want to keep his commandments, and there'll be no more rebellion, as opposed to, I got to do what I'm supposed to do. You know, it's my duty. Duty is not a strong enough motive to keep you obedient to God in these last days. He said, if you love me... He that has my commandments and keeps them, Jesus said, that's the one that loves me. Not the one that has an ooey-gooey feeling only. Not the one that just says, I love you, Lord. It's more substantial than that. And he says, this one that loves me, this one that does what I tell him to do, he'll be loved of my Father. And I'll love him, Jesus said. And look at this last part. I will manifest myself to him. 
Anybody interested in the Lord manifesting himself to you in our church? When lost people are here, when sick people are here, anybody interested in Jesus showing up? Now we know he's here by faith, but how many of you want him to be active while he's here in manifestation? You know, God's in our, Jesus is in our service right now. He may not be doing certain things, but he's here. Now he's totally anointing the preacher right now because I sense it. I believe he's anointing your ears and heart to receive too. But there's other things he wants to do in our services. And just because he's not doing those things doesn't mean he's not here and wanting to do them. Case in point, there's musicians in our church right now. But you'd never know it if you didn't know anybody. You know why? Because they're not manifesting their gift. There's singers in our church right now, but you'd never know it if you didn't know the people here. Because they're not manifesting their vocal abilities. But they're here. See, we don't know God's here when he starts manifesting. We know he's here because he said we're two or three are gathered together in my name. I'm there in the midst. And he's there to do great and mighty things for people that need help. All right. So one of the things the Lord is endeavoring to do to us with these teachings on Wednesday night and others, of course, is that we would respond so a certain atmosphere could be set and so more manifestations of his presence could occur in our midst. How many of you know when Jesus is able to fully manifest, we won't need no prayer lines, but everybody will be instantly healed. We won't need no altar calls, but everybody will be instantly saved. We won't need no laying hands on anybody, but everybody will instantly be filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues fluently. When he's in full manifestation, you'll never forget it for eternity. We were eating dinner at Junction Square about two weeks ago, and I asked Carla, I said, Carla, if the sky was the limit and there was no boundaries at all, and God said, what would you like me to do for you that you believe would cause your church to be 3,000 people more in one week? Just, just, just throw limits out the window. God says, what can I do for you in your church that you believe would be so amazing that the church would grow 3,000 people in one week? Oh, we had fun. We're thinking, well, Lord, if you just showed up in a church service, you know, just walk right through the wall and we see you, the risen Christ, and you transport the entire congregation to heaven and give us a tour of heaven and then take us down to hell and show us that hell is real and then come back to the earth and he says, I love you, my children. Tell the world what just happened. Poof, he's gone. How many think that might attract 3,000 people by next Sunday? Amen. Translated, gone. Um, there's a person in our city that almost everybody knows that is crippled. 
And I was thinking, what if that person was invited to church and right in front of everybody, whatever, 200, 220 people, this person floats out of the wheelchair, all his limbs go pop, 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 his face becomes perfectly normal, and he stands on his feet and says, praise God, I'm healed. That could draw a couple thousand people to next Sunday service. And what if that next Sunday service, when the room was packed, that was the day God translates everybody to heaven and gives us a small tour of hell and brings us back to the earth and says, go tell your generation what I just showed you and tell them I'm coming soon. Well, I thought, and then I had this sense in my heart, God said, I'd love to be able to do that for you. I'd love to be able to do that for any church. I want to do it. I've got the power to do it. Of course I want to be able to do that. I wish my churches would allow me to do it. And then I started asking myself, are we hungry enough? Are we grieving the Spirit of God and don't know it? Are we quenching the Spirit in any way? Are we coveting that? Or we've got way more important things in our life that we're pursuing right now? Are we just a a kind of a kickback church? Or are we a contend for the faith which was once delivered to the forefathers' church? I really believe one of the things the Lord's doing in some of these teachings, some of that we're going to be moving into here on Wednesday nights, is He's endeavoring to get this church to set the atmosphere for mighty signs and wonders in these last days that are about ready to burst forth in places that are hungry enough. There's some powers that be in the world right now who need a wake-up call that they're not God. And I'm not talking about our president. There are some powers that be. Do you know one reason why people are fighting so hard our present administration? I'm going to tell you why. Because this world is the only thing on their mind. And if they lose this, they lose it all. Do you know why some people don't fight back when the parties they didn't vote for are in office? Because this world is not their home. And they're not going to get on the hate wagon and fight for something that's going to be burned up pretty soon anyway. Our eyes are on a better city, a higher city, another country. A city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. You can tell who's so caught up in this world, man, they are just fighting tooth and nail to get everything they can out of this world. And they're going to do whatever they can to get it their way. I just feel like saying, have at it. Have it. We're not going to fight you. Our eyes are on something a lot higher and lasts a lot longer, like eternity. Amen. You know why some people don't fight back? Because it ain't worth it. Do you know why some people fight? Because they're holding on to the thing they think that's all they have. All I have is this world. Well, you better fight tooth and nail for it because if this is all you got, here, we won't, we won't just have it. Take it. 
Do what you want with it. You got about seven years. <laughs> After that, the land Lord is coming back. And the earth that he created and that he leased to his man, the lease is up. Do you ever wonder why the demons, when they rose up in that demon-possessed person, said, Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? The demons know there's a time the lease runs out. And they knew it wasn't back then. But the Bible says in the book of Revelation, in the last days, the devil has come down to the earth and has great wrath because he knows his time is short. Can you see it? He knows his time is short. He's freaking out. I don't know, maybe he still thinks he's going to win or something. How deceived. And when you see people fighting and spewing and hating for things of this world, they're not thinking about the things of God and heaven beyond this world. Why would you fight so hard for a world that's about ready to be burned up and is full of the curse anyway? A few more clicks. We're all out of here, everybody. And that's a good thing because people say, well, what about this global, melt, uh, global warming, global warming, global warming? <laughs> no, the scriptural term is global melting. Everything's going to melt with fervent heat, the cold crust, everything, this sin destroyed, and this earth's going to become brand new, and the heavens, and everything's going to be powerful, and Jesus is going to rule and reign, and the tabernacle of God, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, is going to be with us, and we're going to be with Him forever. Oh, glory to God. That's our future. Our future is bright. Amen. So, in this scripture, we're seeing that our love for God is going to give Jesus opportunity to manifest himself to us. Now, I thought it was interesting because there's another scripture in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 8, where it says, um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 8, it says, uh, we don't, don't know anything as we ought to know, but, but the one that loves God is known of God. 1 Corinthians 8, it says the the one that knows, uh, the one that loves God, the one that loves God is known of God. And the word known is like intimacy between a man and a wife, a husband and a wife. Well, I thought it was interesting. God's able to reveal things to people that love him that he cannot reveal about his person to those who don't love him. And he only loves. I mean, we know that in marriage, right? You can't just be intimate with somebody because you love them. They got to love you. Jesus just can't manifest to people that he loves. Those people got to love him. That relationship has to be going both ways. Or it becomes immoral. You following? So do this before we close. Turn to... Um, Let's go to Galatians 1. <clears throat> Somebody tell me, why do we assemble in church services? What's, what's, what's the number one reason you're in that chair tonight? After 
what you've already heard. Maybe there was a different number one reason before the teaching. What's our, what's our number one reason for being here? Because we love the one who wrote Hebrews 10.25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. See, if it becomes a love issue, there's no demon, there's no weird feeling, there's no flashy this, there's no temptation that's going to stop us from doing what the one that we love told us to do. So, here's something now. When it comes to loving the Lord, I I asked myself this question. It, It may sound a little disconnected right now, but we need to ask ourselves all through our life, who are we trying to please? Who are we trying to please? God? Or just people? And our love for the Lord is going to help us to, to keep this straight. <clears throat> now, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I didn't read verse 23. If you want to put it back up there on the screen, you can. But he said something similar two verses later. I think it was, uh, John 14, 23 says, uh, He that has my word and keeps my word, he it is that loves me. And so he's saying the same thing in two of those different verses. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he'll keep my words. The Verse 21 said, My commandments. Now he says, My words. And my Father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode um, with him. But if you would, turn to Galatians chapter 1. And I'm going to read you this out of the Good News translation. I know they don't have that one back there as far as I know. The GNT. But I'm going to read it to you because I have it written out here. And I want to I talk just for a second about um, who, are you, who are we trying to please? And this has a lot to do with who you love the most. Are you following me? Anybody ever come in a situation where you're very tempted to please a person, but you knew if you did that, it wouldn't be pleasing to God? Yes. See, it's going to come down to who do you love most? Um, I wrote this down here that the devil is going to try to get you to stop what God told you to do by yielding to a person's wishes more than the Lord's wishes for your life. <clears throat> so in Galatians chapter one, I wanted to read this to you. And, you know, if you have it in the King James back there, you can put that up. But I'm going to read it to you out of the Good News translation. The, Bi- the Bible says, Paul said, does this sound as if I'm trying to win human approval? No, indeed. What I want is God's approval. Am I trying to be popular with people? If I were still trying to do so, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I really felt like I needed to bring this out. I, um, sometimes we just have to say, you know what? I know, I know that what I just did is not agreeable with certain people. And, but I know it's what the Lord told me to do. And here's the next thing you got to do. Don't let the disagreement of someone you love pull you out of what God told you to do. 
So what, so what happened with Adam and Eve? Adam loved his wife more than God at that moment, and today we're in a fallen world because of it. So much can be traced back to loving other people more than God. It doesn't mean we don't love other people. It just means we don't love them more than the Lord. You know, Jesus at times, he said some heavy things. You know, if Jesus was preaching today, he'd preach to a full church. Half the people would leave after his sermons. <laughs> he, he, one day he stood up and said, listen, if you love your mother or father or children more than me, you're not worthy of me. This one guy says, oh, I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you go. But first, let me go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Follow me. I'm not going back to that church. That preacher's just hard-hearted and callous and don't care about people. See, they see only the flesh. They see only on this lower level. Not realizing a kingdom opportunity was just presented to somebody, and they're still caught up in the natural things. Jesus never told us not to love our father and our mother and our children. He just said, watch out about loving them more than me. Because if you love them more than the Lord, then you cut yourself off from God's help when you need it. Where are you, who, who are you going to lean to for help when all hell breaks loose? The ones you love the most. Well, if you're loving your family the most, they may or may not be able to help you when the problem comes. See, God, putting God first is for our sake. God doesn't have an ego. I know um, not a, a while back in the church, um, I, I preached a message and I was in the middle of a series, uh, teaching on a series on a Sunday morning and preaching. And, and somebody um, texted me like two days later and said, I'm never coming back to your church. I, I, don't, I don't agree with what you're teaching. And... When the service was over, I felt bad, so I'm not coming back. And I was, I'm thinking, now, I don't like to hear those things. I'm, I'm becoming a little more, uh, not okay with it, but more understanding, I guess, of stuff like that. And, um, but I have to be honest, one of my first thoughts was, oh, what did I do wrong? Oh, I went back and listened to my message three times, like an hour message. I listened to it three times, trying to find out what did I say? What did I say? Um, th th this person said, I just, I, just, I just don't like what you said, and I don't agree with it, and I'm not coming back. And so I texted this person a really sweet, nice text back. I said, man, I thank you so much for your, you know, your feedback. I said, I'm always trying to improve, and why don't we do lunch? I'd like to buy a lunch if we can talk about it. Not, uh, not a peep. Haven't heard a peep from him. It's been a while. The whole reason I said that is because I felt the pressure to stop preaching what I know the Lord told me to preach. I was slipping into, maybe I need to please this person more so they come back. And I, heard, and I sense, I didn't hear it audibly, but I sense the Spirit of God say, if you adjust and stop preaching this series that I told you to preach because of that one person, you will be loving them and wanting to please them more than me. And then the Lord said, Son, don't you understand that if you're going to do what I told you to do, Satan's going to find somebody to try to get you to stop doing it. 
But if you love the Lord and you know you've heard from God, you're never going to put pleasing people above the one you love more than anybody. I, um, a, a while back, um, I had gotten some feedback on uh, something that I, I started up that I believe was the direction of the Lord. And, and um, this person, I mean, that was a big step for me. I mean, this was something that I had hesitated to do for a while. I just didn't know. But then I got a scripture on it. I thought, okay. And then I had a leading from the Lord on it. So I said, okay, we're going to do that. And I implemented this thing. And, um, and then got a call a little bit after that. And they, they said that they just didn't, uh, you know, they, they thought there was a better way to do this and a better way to do that. And I'm thinking, do they know what I gave up just to do this much? Um, but I felt like the Lord said, listen, don't change what I told you to do just because somebody didn't appreciate it. And I'm learning more and more that my love for God has got to be the number one reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Of course we love people. Of course we want people pleased. But how is that possible if we're going to follow what people want, but God says this is what they really need? And there may be times it overlaps. What the people want is what God wants. But there's going to be times the people aren't going to want what God wants. It's not going to be pleasing to people what's pleasing to God. Are you following me? And so you just got to remind yourself. And I, you know, I... No, I won't say that. Turn to one more scripture. Go to Romans chapter 5, and we'll close with this real quick. Romans 5. Because I wanted to at least give you this, a little bit of homework as you move on from tonight's service. Uh, Romans 5, verse 5. How many believers are in here tonight? You're a saved, born-again Christian on your way to heaven. Believers. Is there anybody that's not a believer? Raise your hand. If you're not saved. Anybody at all that's not saved? You're not a believer. You're not born again. Okay. So look at this scripture. It's about something that all believers have. Paul says by the Holy Spirit, hope doesn't disappoint us because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Everybody say this. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto me. It's in there, whether I feel like it is or not. So as, as we wrap this session up tonight, I know I said some challenging things. I know there's some things that are stretching us, but here's what I want to leave you with. You have the love in you right now that you need to love God properly with and to love other people with. It's in you right now. You have the love of God in you right now did you know that if God's not first, our love toward others is very limited? This is another reason we need to love God first. Because if we love God first, we've tapped into a reservoir of love beyond ourselves. And really, loving God more than another person is the greatest thing we can do for that other person because in and of ourselves, we can never give them what they need. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.